The message you're listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. My name is Dylan Wright, so if you are not at the right place, um, I'll give you a couple seconds to leave. Um, I didn't mean that. Someone laughed at Wright. I didn't. It's just, it just happens sometimes. Uh, I'm going to try to go without a mic. Can everybody in the back corners hear me all right? Is this good with everyone? Cool. You guys enjoying conference so far? Mm, That's good. It's just going to get better from here. Um, Yeah, so just a quick little background. I work um, at Ohio State. It would be kind of weird if I didn't, wearing this. I work at Ohio State, so I'm with CO Columbus. Um, I have been on staff with Campus Outreach. This is my fifth year on staff at Campus Outreach. And so it is um, really humbling uh, to be here and um, giving a seminar, something that I'm, I'm passionate about. I feel like the Lord has, even since I've been preparing this, has been teaching me so much about the topic of fighting sin. And so I'm praying um, that maybe just part of that will be helpful for you uh, as well. Um, let me just clear the air and get started. Uh, because I know you guys are probably wondering it. I am not giving this seminar because I have fought and defeated all of my sin. And now I stand here before you, perfect, blameless, and I'm going to show you guys how you can do the same, really just achieve that glory. Um, Actually, it's quite the opposite. Um, Honestly, I think uh, 1 Timothy 1.15 sets a really good template that that I believe uh, is true for my life. Um, and it is Paul who is saying that it is a faithful saying, worthy of all exception, that Christ Jesus came into the world to die for sinners of whom I am chief. Whom I am chief. Um, and I think that is so true even for myself when I think about my own life, when I think about my own struggles. I, I stand here before you guys. Um, man, in this room, I am the biggest sinner that I know. I'm the biggest sinner I know. And I would say in this hotel, and not just the people here in this conference, I'm the biggest sinner I know. And in this city of Indianapolis, I'm the biggest sinner that I know. And so I'm not sitting or standing here to try to, to, to reach um, this perfection. Um, but I've been walking with God. I went to school um, at IUPUI, so right down the road. Any Jaguars in here? Two of them, good. Um, bring your friends. I'm giving the talk on Monday too, so tell them. No. Uh, but I, I, I came to Christ, became a Christian um, my freshman year in Ball Hall. Either you guys live in Ball Hall? You guys know that? There's asbestos, so good luck with that. I didn't find that out until my junior year, so if you're still a freshman, I'm praying for you. Um, but I came to Christ, a, a guy that was a year older than me invited me to a Bible study um, in the freshman dorm in, in good old Ball Hall. And in November 2008, I started to walk with God. I gave my life to Christ, accepted Him as my Lord and Savior. And 10 years later, uh, solely on God's grace and the Holy Spirit, I am walking with God today. I'm walking with God today. And that's important, and that will be important for what we're going to talk about on fighting sin. So really, uh, I, I hope this is helpful, but I'm not, I'm not here to probably 
do some magic trick or tell you guys something that's going to be just blowing up on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, like, hey, you hired the most profound thing. Um, there's really only three questions in about the next 20 minutes that I'm going to aim to answer, uh, that I'm going to help you guys in this topic of fighting sin. There's really only three. The first one would be, um, why fight sin? Why do we fight our sin? Why should you fight your sin? Why should I fight my sin? Why is the Christian called to fight sin? That would be question number one. Question number two would be, okay, so then if we're called, how? How do you fight your sin? How do you fight your sin? What does that look like? Then the third and kind of final question that I hope uh, to answer is, what is the reward for fighting sin? What is the reward for living a life that is um, really geared towards a, 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 a hatred for your sin and a desire to fight it with everything, every fabric of your being? What is the reward of living a life that looks like that? And then I have some helpful, practical uh, applications, some things that have been walking with God and talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ who have been walking with God. Uh, what helps you in this topic that I can provide at the end? Um, and then we'll have uh, kind of a brief little activity workshop. Um, and then we'll be done. So uh, I- I'm just going to jump right in. If you, I encourage you guys, uh, if you um, are taking notes, uh, or if you're not taking notes, I encourage you to. Hopefully this will be super simple, so it's not going to be super confusing. So even if you can just write down a couple things for each of these questions, I think it will be helpful. But the first one is, why fight your sin? Why fight your sin? Um, is there, I'm going to get a couple volunteers throughout this to read some verses. Could, if you have uh, your Bible on you or you have it on your phone, um, could somebody go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5? Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Once you get there, if I could just see a hand shoot up from a volunteer. Perfect. If you could, once you get there, read it for us. That would be great. What's that? Just five. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Great. Thank you. So there are, there are some things um, with the Word of God as we are reading it, as we are studying it, as we are growing, as we're learning, that can be quite confusing. Sometimes we need people who have studied it for much longer to come in and add maybe a, a commentary, interpretation, or a trusted pastor. Man, how, does, how does Jesus fit into this? How does this relate? What does this mean? But then there are other areas of Scripture that, to be quite honest, are pretty black and white. It's just right in front of you. It is what it is. There's not much hidden in it. Colossians 3.5 is one of that for the answer of um, why fight your sin? Because you are commanded to. You are commanded to fight your sin. As we read, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then it gives some examples. If you were to actually skip down to verse 8, it says, but now that you must put them all away, and it gives more, put what away? What is sin? What type? What would categorize as this? And it would say that anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. It is clear in Scripture, why fight your sin? Because we are, we are commanded, if this is God's word, we're commanded by God to fight sin. We're commanded by Him to fight sin. The, the second one, why fight sin? Because naturally, so let's for a second move outside of that verse, you fight for what you love. You fight for what you love. Uh, quick examples of that would be relationships, even specifically marriage. That oftentimes, you could probably ask any um, couple here that you know that is married and has been married for longer than a day. Uh, man, it, it, tell me your story through dating, through engagement. Through is there any, any uh, hiccups, any arguments, not seeing eye to eye? And I'd venture to say that every single person you ask that to would say, absolutely. Absolutely, there's times that we don't see. There's times. But it's not that, man, in this moment of adversity, I'm gone. I'm out. I don't want any part. You fight for what you love. Man, I love my spouse. And so I'm going to put in the work and the time and the effort for us to reconcile in moments of hardship. That's just one. Uh, we fight for beliefs. This is my personal, uh, what my life is on. My value. You think of... Um, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, think of a Braveheart, right? A, a movie like that where it's just like, yes, you know, this is fighting for what you stand up for, fighting for freedom, things like that. That is great. We see that all the time. We see examples like that all the time. Um, we fight for even crazy things like who's better, Jordan or LeBron? LeBron. Anybody? Anybody think Jordan? I do. We can talk after this. That'd be crazy. I'd love to look at some stats and let's have a little combo. I'm ready to fight. Uh, I'm ready to fight for that. Um, we, we fight all the time for even just little fickle things because we get passionate about. But when it comes to Christianity, the idea of fighting our sin, we just learn to live with it. We learn to live with it. There is not, in the scope of the Christian context, there is such a small desire to fight sin. We brush it under the rug. It's not a big deal. I'm not as messed up as that girl. I'm not as messed up as that guy. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. We push the envelope. Man, I know, okay, I know that was wrong, but, you know, to be honest, there's times I can sit in a talk where D.A. Horton is talking about David's sin and think, Man, that guy sucks. I'm glad I'm not him. That's sin in that moment. We, we, we oftentimes compare and we look at and we belittle and we demean it because it's on my end of lack of immaturity and we don't fight our sin. We're not serious about it because we're not mature Christians. So we just sit here and we'll do religious things as long as the night is dark. But we won't really own. We won't really fight. We just learn to live with. We fight for what you love. If you love God, okay, if you love God, and you are in this room, and you are saying, I love God, and I'm following Jesus, He is my Lord and Savior, then you should fight your sin. There should not be just a live with. There should be an active, daily hatred towards and fight against our flesh. And we are empowered to do so. We are empowered to do so. People will say, oh, no, hold on, hold on, because grace, right? Like, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed. It's true. So I don't need to fight. It's not what Paul says. 
Should you continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. God forbid. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because God has given you the grace that he has rescued you, that he has transformed you, that you are a new creation in Christ so that you can put to death the old self, those old desires, that you are no longer bound, that you can actively fight. We fight for what we love. We love God. We should fight our sin. We should fight our sin. So then, second question. Question number two. How do you fight your sin? How do you fight your sin? Can somebody read for me uh, 1 John 1.8? 1 John 1.8. I see it. Yep, there we go. Over. Yes. Nice and loud. Nice and loud. All right. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Great. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The first step on how to fight your sin, how to do this, step number one, is identify. You are a sinner. (laughs) I am a sinner. The, the, the only prerequisite to being a Christian is to acknowledge your sin. Mark 2.17, Jesus says that those, um, those who are well are in no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, the context is interesting here. Because what Jesus could have said is everybody is a sinner. And that's true. But he's saying, I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. The irony is he's talking to us to people who think they're righteous. He's saying, no, you are sick. You are sick in need of a cure. And there is no hope outside of my healing. There's nothing you can do to heal yourself of your sickness. Everyone is that. But there are some that think, man, I'm righteous. I'm good. I'm well. I don't need it. I feel great. If that is you, then you're not going to fight your sin because you're not going to understand your identity as a sinner. The second one, second point on how do you fight your sin. So one, okay, is to identify, understand your identity. You are sinful. Two is dwelling richly in Christ. Dwelling richly in Christ. Going back to Colossians. Can somebody please read for me Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let me see a hand when you get there. Someone gets there. Yep. Uh, let the word of Christ dwell in richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is great. Dwelling richly in Christ is how we fight our sin. We're going to talk more about this. This this will make more sense in a couple minutes. Um, But when you read, and I encourage you guys, maybe make a side note. Take five minutes. You can read it in five minutes to read Colossians 3. Because it's such a great chapter on understanding a new identity, being made new, and how to go back and address the sins of your past. And sins of your present, and sin of your future. So really, really good. But but the point that the author is making here 
is his main thing is dwelling in Christ. Dwelling in Christ richly. Here, the, the, and this is why I say this, and this is why this is important. Because the flesh is focused on your actions. Flesh is focused on your actions. The gospel is focused on your affection. What does that mean? The flesh, in your flesh, you are so concerned with, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Where is my sin? What do I need to do to defeat this? And your flesh is naturally thinking, what do I, 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 if I conduct my way in this way, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this. But the gospel is more about your affections. It's not concerned about your flesh. It's not, it is saying that you have been transformed. Therefore, since you have been transformed, your desires are new. There's a heart change. You're made clean. You have a new spirit that's in you, one that wants to seek after God, no longer the things of the flesh. You have completely been transformed. To further prove this, Psalm 51.10 hits on this beautifully. It says, just part of it, it says, Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Why? Because I had a jacked up, messy, dirty heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Why? Because I had a wrong, earthly, fleshly spirit that was dwelling in me. That was dictating what I do. That was controlling the shots. That was showing and orienting my loves. But in the gospel, your affections change. You can fight sin because now you see something that is so much more beautiful than you could ever hope, dare, dream, or imagine in Jesus Christ. So that we can dwell richly. We can have this right relationship with Him. Your heart's cry is not you. Your heart's cry is for Jesus. Um, so, looking at Jesus is how we, is going to help and how we fight sin because and, and there's a couple illustrations here, but I hope this is helpful. Um, I think, and this is how I thought, for me, personal story. When I was not even really a young Christian, I mean, this is like stuff when I'm going through school, IUPUI, still working through on staff. It's still a trap I can fall into today. And when I think we think about fighting sin, and maybe this is what you thought coming into the seminar, is what I'm going to help you do is identify your sin and you're going to stack it up and you're going to think, okay, what are the real big sin struggles that I need to defeat? And how do I defeat that? And what do I need to do? Okay. So I just need to identify and stack up and look at all of my sin. Um, but rather, I want us to think more. And there, there's a verse that will help us here in a second. But it's fighting sin is not necessarily about looking at. And then thinking, okay, what are the practicals on like, so I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. There's great wisdom in that. But the best way on how to fight our sin is to think, wait a second. I'm no longer so much focused on myself, but I am repenting. I am turning and looking at Christ. I'm looking at Jesus. Why? Because your sin is defeated at the cross. In Jesus, we are no longer ensnared 
or enslaved or bound to our sins so that we can go back. If you want to defeat that, the best way to do is to look at the one who on the cross said it is finished and has defeated sin and has defeated death, the only one to do it, and cling closely to him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 um, is a great passage that illustrates this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, believers around us, let us lay aside every weight and measure and sin that clings so closely or ensnares us. And run with endurance. Remember this illustration. Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That it's not, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every... And so we can go back and we can try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can go and attack. But it's saying, since this is true, so that I'm not ensnared, I'm going to look to Jesus. As I'm running with endurance, as I'm running, as I'm, I'm looking up. You never see Usain Bolt as he's just booking it down the track, just running like this. Why? Because his eye is on the finish. It's on where am I headed? Where, what is my destination? You never see a world-class runner run like that. Just looking at their feet, what's in front of them. Think about somebody on a tightrope. The the other day I was watching a documentary, and I don't know why this person was doing this. I don't know if he lost a bet or if he was on drugs, but he decided, I'm going to try to tightrope across the Grand Canyon, part of it, not the whole thing. And he's out there, and he has like this huge long pole that he's kind of using as balance. And I mean, I'm freaking out as I'm watching it. I'm nervous. I'm like, surely he won't. But I'm like, oh. I don't know. It's a long drop. Um, but as I notice this, as he's going across, he's not, he's not like this. Okay. Good. I'm still on it. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Another step. I'm still, we're still good. Everything's okay. Oh, gosh. A bird just flew under me. Freaked out. Oh, man. It's shaking a little bit. I think I can see the ground start to move. Uh, and I'm dead. Right? No. As he's walking, his head is up. He's looking to the other side the whole time. And he's walking like this. He's walking like this. He's walking like this. Here's why I use that illustration. Because oftentimes, we let Satan win, and we stop fighting our sin because we are so focused on ourselves. We are so focused on, gosh, I, I think I messed up again. Shoot, uh, I'm trying to be perfect. I don't know if I can do it. Oh, oh gosh. I, 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 I. But oftentimes, if we just look up and fix our eyes on Christ and fix our eyes on Jesus, that is one of the best ways for us to fight our sin. The third example of this, of looking at Jesus. This is, sounds like a crazy question, but who in here has seen the movie Lion King? Show of hands. Lion King. Absolute classic, right? Most of us in here. They're actually remaking it. Don't know how I feel about that, but I'm sure it'll be great. So who in here remembers the scene of Lion King where it's Mufasa and Simba, and he's explaining the kingdom. He's explaining their kingdom. You guys track with me? Everyone that's seen that movie know what I'm talking about. They're kind of sitting on this cliff. And what does he say? Somebody shout out. What does he say? Everything the light touches is out. Amen. Okay, hold on. Hold on. 
Little did we know the screenwriters with us today. No, no, no. A little bit louder. Say just the first part. Say the first part. What does Mufasa tell Simba? Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Everything the light touches is our kingdom, right? And when they're looking out, is is the it is in what seems like broad daylight, right? As they're looking out, it is light everywhere. Everywhere there's light, except second part. The shadowy part, which is the elephant graveyard, we don't go there. The shadowy part, which is the elephant graveyard, we don't go there. We don't go there. And why has he said this? Why is Mufasa telling his son? Because he loves him and he wants to make sure that he's protected. And in my kingdom, you are protected. In my kingdom, wherever you see light, you can go freely. Go, come and go as much as you please. Except that one little shadowy dark area, don't go there. But what does Simba do? He goes there. He goes there, right? And what happens? Was his father lying? He's lions. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> he's lions, for those who didn't catch that. Um, no, he's put, he's put in danger, right? The hyenas come, and they kind of mock him. And then there's this great moment where you're like, is this little lion about to die? To which I'm like, oh, you know, the six-year-old in me is already tearing up. And I'm like, please no. But then in a great scene, Mufasa, well, actually, the great scene is he's like, roar. And he's like, roar! You know, and he does it again, and they're like making fun of him, mocking him. And there's a loud, I don't want to just echoing roar from Mufasa because he shows up on the scene and he just starts destroying these little hyenas. He just starts destroying. This is what it's like to dwell richly with Christ, to stay near. To stay near. The the gospel is you have been given freely so much to enjoy. So much to enjoy. But what we do is we settle for the elephant graveyard because for some reason in our mind we think that will be better. But we know, we know because we've experienced the moment that we turn and go back to our sin, that there is just fear, that there is no more peace, that there is, it is destroying you, it wants to destroy you, but he is rescued. He is rescued by a father who loves him. And brings him back to the light. Brings him back to the kingdom. This is a small illustration of what it looks like to dwell richly with Jesus. Is to stay in the light. So, the final question. The final question. What is the reward for fighting sin? What is the reward for fighting sin? There's two. There's two that I have. The first one, and there's several. <laughs> let, me, let me say there are several. There's two that I'm going to highlight of rewards for fighting sin. The first one is intimacy. Intimacy with God. Tim Keller, pastor in New York, absolute legend within the sphere of campus outreach, says this, you are more sinful than you could ever think, but you are more loved than you dare dream. You're more sinful than you even know. Keller, to go, to go, when you really start to talk about fighting sin, and when you start to think, okay, I'm going to start to do this by battling every sin that I struggle with in my life um, until I defeat it all. Keller kind of blows that idea out of the water because one of the things that he says is sin 
And oftentimes we think this, we read in Colossians where it's negative things, right? Sexual morality, anger, malice, wrath, hatred, murder, envy. We read these things and we go, okay, okay, okay. Keller takes it, and I think a biblical step forward, and he says, sin, it's the lack of perfection. That is what sin is. Therefore, it is not just what you have done wrong, but even the things you've done right that you haven't done perfectly. Loving your friends, caring for your friends. You do that really well. Do you do it perfectly? No, there's sin in that. Even in the virtue that you strive to obtain and live by, there can be sin. However, the reward, it's this intimacy. It is an intimacy that we have when we do fight our sin, when we do think, man, I am a new creation. And I don't, I want to look and focus on Jesus. Because I know that dwelling with him and being close to him helps put to death the ways of the flesh. We experience great intimacy. And the second one is peace. What is the reward for fighting sin? Peace. Peace in your heart. It can be literal peace in your environment. There is a theme that is stretched through the Scriptures of God giving His people peace. And when they turn from Him, it's not that they get more peace. We can read passages in Ezekiel where Israel turns and God removes His protection and they're destroyed, put to death by other armies. We can read in Romans 1 where Paul is giving us the the base foundation doctrine of Christianity and he's saying that those that are living in, in, in sin, God has given them up to the desires of their own heart and it doesn't bring more peace. You have felt, I have felt this. When I give in to my sinful desires, when I give in, when I ignore the Holy Spirit and I start to focus on my flesh, man, there is such, it's, there's no peace. (laughs) You you feel conviction. Um, You feel just, man, this great, gracious God who did not even spare his own son, man, I want to I turn and continue to play the role you know, of the sinner to go back to things that I think will give me life that never do. Um, and it affects my peace. It affects how I feel. It affects this closeness and intimacy with God. Luckily, His grace is sufficient. And in Christ, He doesn't leave us. Um, but as we struggle, it can be hard. And so, what are some, some practicals as we kind of wrap this up? What are some practical things for us? Some, some tips, some helpful stuff. The first one is, as we fight our sin, okay, this is important, as we fight our sin, it's not if you fail, it's when you fail. You will fail. You will fail. Fail in the light. What do I mean by that? It's going back to the example we heard this morning of David. David experienced, he he failed. He did. 
But as D.A. mentioned, he's given that to the, to the choir master, right? Let the nations know about this. He is failing in the light. That when, he, from when the prophet Nathan finally calls him out on his sin, he openly confesses to God, against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. But fail in the light. When you are struggling, what Satan wants you to do is it's not that big of a deal. You don't need to tell anyone. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, do not do that. (laughs) You are not fighting your sin if you do that. You will fail. We just read in 1 John that anyone who says they're without sin is a liar. But when you do sin, when you do fail, fail in the light. Let people in. Hey, man, can you be praying for me? Or I need to confess this. There's these thoughts that are going through my mind lately. Or man, there's this bitterness I have towards this friend. Or gosh, I was gossiping about this person over here. Or man, I'm really struggling guarding my eyes and what I look at. Man, I'm really, you know, I'm just struggling with idolatry. Or man, I see someone else's picture perfect life on Instagram and It just creates a hardness in my heart because I want that because I'm really struggling with things and I don't have that and I want the better life. Confess that. Bring it to the light. Two, read God's Word. Feast on it daily. This is how the Word of Christ can dwell richly in you. But if you are not reading the Word, if you are not in the Word, you stand no hope to fight your sin. I'll say that again. You have absolutely no hope of fighting your sin. It is, you know, I'm not sure if little Simba, going back to Lion King, just didn't hear his father or he was in direct rebellion to his father that led him to go to a place that could cause him harm. But I promise you this, if you are not listening to your Father through the Word daily, daily, you will succumb to the desires of your flesh. And you will lose this peace that you feel, the the intimacy, that you will start to develop a hard heart. And eventually, and I I don't say this to scare you guys, but man, this could just collect years worth of dust and you're just no longer walking with God, which is sad. So you need to be in the Word daily. You need to be feasting on this daily. Maybe it is 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. Maybe it is saying, first thing I do when I'm going to get up in the morning, I always get on Instagram, I'm going to stop, I'm going to download a Bible app and read for five minutes just to get my heart centered. Maybe it is. I'm going to stay in tonight and, and really, I'm going to try to read um, a whole epistle or I'm going to try to really just work through an entire Bible study in one sitting. Maybe there are times that where you'll really be able to dive deep into the Word of God. But you need to be in this daily to help fight your sin. Three, third thing, practical. One is um, fail in the light. Two is read God's Word. Three, is confess and repent. Confess and repent. Oftentimes, um, from, from what I've experienced in my own life, 
Uh, there's the old adage, if, if you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile, right? Because here, when it's really kind of close, it can seem small, but as you continue to just miss by an inch, the longer as time goes, now that little inch has grown and grown and grown, and it's to a mile. There, there's wisdom in that in fighting sin, because we oftentimes just want to confess and repent of the big things, the, the times we just miss initially by a mile. But to help fight sin, it is a daily confession. It is being aware of, man, when are the times I've been putting myself before God? What are the things that, what potential heart idols that could start to, they're starting to take root and uh, starting to, and then it's repentance. Because repentance is important because you can confess that my lawn in the backyard has a lot of weeds in it. So what I'm going to do, since I acknowledge that, is I'm just going to get a lawnmower and mold the whole grass. Perfect, I don't see them anymore. But we all know what happens when you do that is they're just going to sprout up double what they were because you never pulled it out by the root. Gospel repentance is pulling your sin out by the roots. It is getting to, the, to, to what it really is, what is hold of your heart, and taking it before the cross and turning from that. It's not just, man, I confess that I'm struggling with this, but it is, I see this, and I need to turn. I need to turn back to Jesus. Four is accountability will help you fight your sin. What does that mean? Another um, brother or sister in Christ that you trust, that you can be vulnerable with, that you can be real with, that you can say, hey, will you, will you check in on me? Will you check in on me that I'm reading my Bible? Maybe it's, you know, what could, I don't know, when you guys go back to school, um, Ohio State, we go back on the 7th, which is far too early. Um, but maybe it looks like, hey, find somebody, maybe they're sitting next to you here today. Find somebody to say, hey, will you text me every day? I, you know, I'm usually going to bed around 11-ish. Will you text me before I go to bed and just say, hey, did you read God's word today? Hey, I haven't read, can I, can I call you real quick and we can read a couple verses together? If you just were to do that from the end of this conference to whenever you start your semester, you'd be off to a very, very good start of fighting your sin and growing in intimacy and peace with God. Set up accountability. You cannot win this war by yourself. You cannot. As your sin affects so many others than just yourself, you cannot defeat it just yourself. You need other people in your life to help you. Set up accountability. And then the fifth and final practical tip would be to develop convictions. What do I mean by that? Develop convictions. It are, it's things that will help um, to say, man, I, I am not going to do this. I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys what those convictions could be. An example, this is not me projecting this on you. Don't, you know, this isn't even necessarily uh, one that I have created, but I think it's helpful to think, man, my experience with R-rated movies oftentimes starts to stir up um, 
just because of what I'm exposed to, because there's not as much of a filter on what I'm watching, it just, it really starts to get me thinking in ways that aren't super helpful and it doesn't stir my affections for God. It may stir my affections or my love for other things. So I'm going to set this conviction and be held accountable. I'm going to share this with one, two, three, four, five other people to help keep me accountable. That I'm just not going to do that. Why? Because I care about fighting my sin. Because I want to fight my sin. If it means I have to give up this, it may mean for some of you, you have to delete Instagram. There are some of you in this room, you have to. Somebody told me this, wise old sage. It was Chris Coons, not that old. Um, He said, if you don't know how to glorify God with Instagram, you need to delete it. And I would, I would take that challenge for any social media. I'm not trying to step on a soapbox. And I have Instagram. And I, I like it. But man, if you, are, if you don't know how, how can I glorify God with this tool, it needs to go. Why? Because this is what fighting sin... It's, we're not negotiating here. We're not saying, I'm not too bad on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's just when people start to go out on Fridays, it gets kind of wild on there. My story gets pretty crazy. So I'll just, I won't look at it that much on Friday. No. Delete it. Get rid of it. Purge it. (laughs) If it's going to help you focus on Christ. Or just follow like John Piper and Desiring God. I don't know. (laughs) His story is probably interesting. He doesn't have Instagram. Um, And so that that would be develop conviction. Start to develop. And, And here's the thing I'll say. And, and this is a complete transparent moment with you guys. I have convictions in my life that I have broken. I do. I have convictions in my life that I have broken. I need to uh, and have confessed and repented of that. And I, I sit here before and say, I'll probably have convictions in the future that I may break. And I may fail. I need to let other people in. I need to let confess it. Bring it to the light. Repent of that. But here's the thing that I will say about it. Is I am so thankful for even the convictions I've broken. Because I've set them so, not so far, but back. that It has prevented me from going to areas that would really even bring much more hurt into my own life and other people's lives. That I am thankful even in the moments I fail that I have them. Because it is it, it is. It stopped me from, I think, if I didn't have them at all, who knows what I would do. <laughs> and so even that is just a helpful plug. It, it, it's something that y- you may break them. I pray that you don't. Um, but you may, and you need accountability and bring people in, um, bring that before the Lord. And so I hope this is helpful um, for you guys as we're looking at uh, what it looks like to um, fight our sin, to fight sin. There's just, we're going to, there's one quick little thing I want to do. So we have until, you know, 4.30 and there's no one uh, after us. We do have a seminar at 4.30. So I, uh, kind of optional one on gender. So I want to make this quick. It's 4.13 right now. If we could just take until, uh, you know, the next five minutes. Let's do this. Just with the people around you, maybe just groups of two or three if possible that are just in your row or sitting around you, take a moment to just pray. And let's just pray that, man, we would be men and women that would fight our sin. That we would be men and women that would take the Word of God seriously.
And that we would see that these momentary pleasures are not worth the greater joy and intimacy and peace I have in walking with Jesus. And just pray for, for a few minutes, and then I'll close us, um, and then we'll be free to continue our rest of our afternoon. So go ahead and break up. Thank you so much, guys, um, and I'll close in a little bit. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.